And now, race fans, for the most famous words in motorsports, the president of DirecTV Sales and Service, Mr. John Serrani. Gentlemen, start your engines! All right, another episode of the Speed Podcast, Radio Tyler Head, Dalton Mullinax. With you as always, uh, we talked about this going into the Martinsville race this past weekend where, and we've been talking about it ever since it was announced, they cut 100 laps from the race. Went from 500 laps down to 400 laps, you know, make it different from the fall race, create a sense of urgency, all that good stuff, which I was fine with. I don't mind it. Um, and I, I was expecting it to maybe make the race a little bit better. Going into the race Saturday night, I was asking myself, though, Am I going to be wishing there was still 100 more laps to this race if this race ends, ends up being that good? I was not asking myself that question at the end of the race because, good Lord, nothing happened on Saturday night in this cup race. Yeah, it was, to be honest, a major snooze fest. Um, I mean, there was, there was, I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't believe there was a single pass for the lead under green. Not a legitimate one outside of like pit cycles when they're pitting under green, for which I don't count. Yeah, and that and that's the thing is, and that doesn't make a race good or bad, but it's very telling as yeah. to as to how the race went. And I mean, look, you know, you the first thing drivers do out of the car is, man, we couldn't pass nobody. We could get to them, you know, we couldn't pass them, and it's just like you have these flashbacks to the past few years where, you know, you, a guy could drive up to to the leader's bumper but just could mm -hmm. never found it that's exactly what i was thinking i was like this is the trauma of all these mile and a half races with the 550 package where they got out and said the exact same thing yeah i mean we got to his bumper couldn't pass him we just kind of a track position thing and you stay out the tires aren't wearing like this was literally a mile and a half race from the past handful of years on a short track easily one of the best tracks on the entire circuit we're expecting a great race and just yeah nothing no i mean and that's that's what's so weird is because i and i know it's completely different but it's um i you know i thought the only real comparison we had so far was at the coliseum and the clutch yeah that was some great racing right uh you know you're comparing apples to oranges to an extent but yeah what happened on uh saturday night was definitely disappointing and um i think alarming to an extent uh just because of the comments made by some of the drivers post-race of i hope we didn't screw up the short track program to fix mile and a half and two miles and stuff like that so you know I, again you i don't want to hit the panic button after one race um but it's definitely you got to pause and be at least at least a little bit concerned well, when you think about it, you know, the entire development of the next-gen car of these past three years, like you said, that focus has been mile and a half, mile and a half, mile and a half. How are we going to make these better? We've just assumed this entire time the short track racing was going to be good because it's always good. Through every iteration of car and rules package, short track racing always ends up being good because it doesn't come down to aerodynamics. It just comes down to beating and banging and all the stuff that we love about short track racing. And they weren't able to do that on Saturday night because these cars worked so well at this Martinsville track. Um, the bigger brakes allowed them to carry a ton of speed through the middle of the corner. Uh, they were shifting around the entire place, which 
apparently eliminates the ability to pass a lot because you were able to you weren't able to gain position on anybody by outbreaking them into the corner and then powering up off the corner because everybody was doing the same thing. The tires weren't wearing, you know, we had a fall off of maybe a, a tenth or two um, over the course of an entire run instead of multiple seconds like we've seen in years past. Um, and yeah, you know, just once we got green flat, once we got under green, once you're behind somebody, you weren't going to pass. And I think the most telling thing was, um, I forget what stage it was, maybe it was stage two, when Chase Elliott was still leading. And he caught up to Bubba Wallace, who was on the tail end of the lead lap, and followed him for the last 30 or so laps of the stage. He couldn't get by him, despite the fact that he was clearly faster than him. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point with Chase Elliott. I mean, he flat out dominated the first two stages. Mm-hmm. The only reason that, you know, we haven't even went on to say who the winner was, William Byron obviously went on to, to win the race, and he dominated that final stage. And it was one of those that he beat him on a pit stop. He came out first, and that was all he wrote. And that's the thing is I hate when that happens. I hate when, you know, just – I mean, I thought William obviously had a great car, and he won twice this past weekend, so he, he knew what he was doing at Martinsville. Right. But it's, it was one of those – even on that last restart, you didn't feel like – because like Logano said, like, even, you know, I could have challenged him, but I just couldn't get there, you know. Um, and that's – I don't know if that's a product of the car, of of this new style of race, that I don't know. But it's definitely wasn't like any Martinsville I've ever seen. No, not at all. And I believe this ended up tying for the worst race ever on Jeff Gluck's Was It a Good Race poll. And there have been some really, really bad races since he started that poll um you know six years ago and the last place you'd expect something like that to happen um would be martinsville and you know i was you know i already had it in my mind like okay this is not a good race and then we get that late race caution which really honestly probably shouldn't have been a caution just because todd gillen got up in the marbles a little bit and scraped the wall but regardless you know whether nascar was leaning towards the entertainment side of things or what you know we get this green white checkered and you're thinking okay this has been a bad race, but maybe we can get a good finish here. Maybe Austin Dillon will dive bomb into turn number one. Maybe Logano will get to Byron's bumper going through three and four, and we'll get a photo finish or something like that. And as soon as Byron took off on that restart, you're like, all right, well, nobody's going to catch him now. It's over. Yeah. Yeah, you knew that it was just – it was, you know, you just winding down the laps, and you knew who the winner was going to be. Yeah, and um, credit to William Byron again. Um We've been waiting for him to have this breakout season. Maybe he's finally having it. Now he's got two wins in eight races. He's the first driver to get multiple wins. And, again, he dominates as soon as he takes the lead on Saturday night. Leads all the laps ends up winning the race. Is this the breakout moment for him? I mean, Hendrick's certainly on the upswing, obviously. And, um, you know, he you can make an argument he's probably been the most consistent out of all of them this entire year, despite the fact that Chase Elliott is the points leader. Um, but you feel like William Byron's been talked about the most. and. Again, now he's the only driver with multiple wins in the Cup Series. Well, that's the thing that's crazy is, like, if you told me we were now heading into the Bristol Dirt Race this weekend and there's a Hendrick driver that has multiple wins, who is it? Yep. And, like, I'd went Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, Bowman, and then, yeah, Willie B, there's no way he's won twice this year. Yeah. Look where we are. I mean, he, he's, um, you know, like you said, I agree with you that he's been the most consistent of the four drivers. Um, and, and consistency pays off in the long term. And obviously, if he continues to rack up these race wins, he's going to have a nice little bonus going into the playoffs. And 
look, we've seen last year, you know, he had his back against the wall and at Bristol and was able to, to turn it around and make it to the next round. And, and we've seen how he runs at some of the tracks in the playoffs. So maybe this is the year he makes the deep run. You know, you just never know. Yeah. Um, that being said, I feel like we were kind of having the same conversation about him this time last year because he started off the season red hot. They got that early win at Homestead and you're thinking, man, this combination of William Byron and Rudy Field, where they can win multiple races, are going to be a serious factor in the playoffs. And through either bad luck or shooting themselves in the foot, they were never, never able to get back to victory lane. Now, again, they've done better now by getting two wins in the first eight races. But it's like, okay, show me you can keep that consistency up as the season goes along, as we go to these different types of racetracks, and as you know, the entire field evolves to this next-gen car, see if you guys can stay on top, um, particularly once we get down to the playoffs. Right. Uh, for Chase Elliott, like you mentioned, he um, – dominates the first two stages of the race pretty much was uncontested until he gets beat by William Byron on pit road. And for him, it's kind of one of those things like, especially with how important track position was, is it, was him leading all those laps an indication of strong of how strong they were, or is it just luck of track position? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's a combination of both. We know he runs well at Martinsville. Um, but then, like you said, you know, as soon as Byron got up front, he quote unquote dominated. So I think it's a combination of both, but it's still, you know, we sit here and we're like, man, Chase hasn't won yet. Then you look at the, the, um, the points lead, like, hmm, okay, he hadn't had that bad of a season. Yeah. Um, Austin Dillon comes home in third position. Again, he had an opportunity to maybe make something happen on that late race restart. And at the beginning of this season, which was still relatively early in the season, it was all Tyler Reddick, Tyler Reddick, Tyler Reddick. He's up to the leading laps, looking like he's going to be the guy that's going to break through and get that win for RCR this year. It's kind of shifted the other way now, where now it's Austin Dillon. He's the one running up front. He, he's been, he spent more laps in the top five on Saturday night than he has for the entirety of his Cup Series career up to this point, which include three career victories, by the way. So yeah. RCR as a whole is running well, but it seems like Austin Dillon's kind of taken that initiative as being the top guy um, after it looked like Tyler Reddick was going to be that guy to start the season. Yeah, I mean, the talk of the town the first really three to four weeks of the season was, you know, when is this eight car going to make it to victory lane? Not if they do, but when. And then, like you said, that's, that's kind of died down a little bit. And then Austin Dillon, I don't know if it's just he's getting better cars, if he's just – Click, something's clicked for him or what but he's been running better and I, like you said I mean definitely had a car that was capable of winning on Saturday night yep so I know you're not a fan of the Bristol dirt race obviously but given what we've seen these past two weeks now Richmond was obviously saved by having an entertaining finish and the way the strategy played out but these past two weeks of racing overall has been fairly meh from the cup series standpoint is it almost good that we're not doing a traditional Bristol race this weekend so we can kind of figure out what's going on with this next-gen car, these short tracks, before we start going back to short tracks again later in the season? Because the last thing NASCAR wants is three straight duds in a row. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a good point. But, I mean, are you going to go test somewhere? You know, so that, I mean, my thing is, like, if they're going to use, if they're going to use this week, to test somewhere then sure then i'm but i mean again i just i'm so anti bristol dirt that i think ah, i can't let that go um but and i don't know if they would call for a test of some sort i mean i know drivers 
got out of the car Saturday night and was were complaining left and right about how bad of a tire Goodyear brought, mm-hmm. uh, how there was no wear and tear in it. So, you know, maybe they do a tire test somewhere. I don't know, but something's got to be something's got to be worked out. Well, they complained about the tire. You know, a lot of them brought up the fact that they were shifting, making it hard to pass. So begs the question, you know, can you change a gear rule? Uh, Denny Hamlin, who had a disastrous race on Saturday night, mentioned the fact that, um, you know, the the way these bodies are designed without any skew in them is hurting the way that they race on short tracks. So apparently there's a laundry list of things that could be addressed to possibly make this racing better. And the problem is we're still having these problems with the supply chain as it is. There are teams that still don't have their full inventory of cars and we're, you know, three months into the season now. So if you're NASCAR, how can you implement something to possibly improve the short track product when you can't eat, when these guys and these teams aren't even able to get what they need right now to start the season with? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're really just in a tough situation. And also, if you know, if you're trying to change something like the gear rule, then you're suddenly asking these teams to invest more into the engine program that they already had to invest more in when you change what you were going to do right before the season started by having 670 everywhere. So yep. I feel like we're kind of stuck with what we have for this season. And hopefully when we go back there in the fall, we have more favorable weather and maybe Goodyear can bring a better tire. But the last thing NASCAR needs is this to be the penultimate race before the championship at Phoenix at the end of the season. Yeah, it would be it would be almost a nightmare of a scenario. And this kind of reminds me of 2019 when, um, you know, the Martinsville race there was a dud, and that was before it got moved to the next-to-last race, but we knew in 2020 it was going to be the next-to-last race, and that was kind of where I think NASCAR was like, oh, crap, we had to change something about the short track package, and also the championship race or the race at Phoenix in 2019 was also kind of a dud. And I think that put a lot of pressure on NASCAR to say, hey, if we're going to end our season at these two tracks, we've got to make this better. So, again, now you're in a tough position. And, again, with the supply chain being what it is, there's really not a whole lot you can do. you just got to cross your fingers and hope things are going to be better once we go back in uh, October and November. Right. Yeah, and, and by then, that's still a long ways away. And, you know, these, these teams are going to figure more out about the car. NASCAR is going to figure more out about it. Um, so hopefully by the time we go back, there will be a much different race, much better race as well. Well, I think shout out of the weekend goes to the NASCAR Shellstrom media team, because despite this race having no action whatsoever, they managed to put together a nine minute highlight video for the YouTube channel. Which is impressive. It's, it was definitely not an easy task. No, not at all. Where the action did happen this weekend in Martinsville was on Friday night in the Xfinity series. I. I've never felt so bad for Brandon Jones, but he got completely overshadowed. It feel, I feel like this happens with all of his wins, by the way. You had what happened at Kansas a couple years ago where Reddick and Cole Custer get into a fight on pit road. You had what happened at Darlington a couple years ago where Denny Hamlin and Ross Chastain went at each other. And now you have this Ty Gibbs-Sam Mayer scenario where, and God, Joe Gibbs looks so disappointed being in victory lane with Brandon Jones. You got to feel for the guy that again completely overshadows this guy who's really becoming a pretty good Xfinity series racer. Once again, having something else happen when he wins the race. Yeah. It was so awkward as soon as he crossed the start finish line there at the end of the race, they, they showed the the video or they, they panned over to Joe Gibbs and he was just so like, dang, he really just beat my grandpa. 
reminded. And then after that, they went back to him, and he had the same kind of look. But that was after the whole fiasco that went on on pit road between Ty Gibbs, which is obviously his grandson, and, and yes. one of his drivers, and Sam Mayer. You know, got two guys that have had a long history of just um, not liking one another. This dominated the headlines so much. I was driving home yesterday just thinking about things to talk about for the podcast. And I legitimately, it legitimately took me about two minutes to remember that Brandon Jones won this race. Yeah. It was on, it was on ESPN. I don't remember if I, I think I texted you. Yeah. Um, It was on ESPN with um, the sports center at night or whatever. Cause I flipped Mm -hmm. it on over after one of the baseball games Friday night. Mm -hmm. And I flipped there and was, was watching sports center. And they were like, Tonight in the Xfinity Series race, fight between you know, it was like there was they never they never said that Brandon Jones won. And that's the thing is like I, I I I'm never a fan of drivers fighting because at the end of the day, it's a it, I think it's a bad look for the sport. I know people get all rah rah, it's fun, but like Sam May, I mean look, Sam Mayer could have gotten seriously hurt. Sure, you know if if Ty get, I mean like he was beat up pretty good, mm-hmm. but if Ty you know, hits his eye. I mean, I'm not a doctor. I don't know. But right. what if you make a climb? Was it worth it? You know, like, it just it never – I just I hate when they start fighting over stupid stuff. And we t- we literally talked about this last week where Ty Gibbs moved John Hunter Nemechek out of the way to win the Xfinity Series race at Richmond. It's like, okay, you're garnering this reputation of being very aggressive. How are you going to react when it gets done back to you? Now, we weren't expecting it to happen a week later, but it did end up happening. And Ty Gibbs completely lost his mind and handled this in the worst way possible because he made himself look like an idiot when it was all said and done. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it was a terrible look, you know. And um, I don't know. It's just like you said, last week Ty Gibbs dumps his teammate, says I don't like racing like that. And then Sam Mayer gets moved into him um, in the final turn of the race on Friday night. Um, and he gets out of, you know, he, he ended up getting fined $15,000 because he made contact, uh, with Sam Mayer's car on pit road. And obviously yeah. there's people walking around and that's, that's good enough. I mean, it's just, it, it's just, he's so much like Kyle Bush that yeah. that could be, I think that could be devastating to his career because Kyle Bush has always been the way he is, but he's always yeah. been successful too and and ty gibbs is successful obviously but you got to be careful i I mean it's just here's the difference to me kyle bush has always been that type of guy but he did not have a problem embracing being the bad guy he knew people didn't like him he doesn't have a problem with it in fact a lot of times i feel like he kind of plays it up Ty Gibbs seems like the type of person that really cares what people think about him. And if you saw or heard about the reaction he got before the race, he got the most booze out of anyone in the entire field. So you know he was already feeling some type of way about that going in. And then he has this blow-up moment at the end of the race. He's, he's the most hated guy in the Xfinity Series now, bar none. He's going to be for whether it, you know, he raced the Xfinity Series for another three, four years or it goes to Cup next year. This is going to follow him. He is not going to be able to shake this off. He could go win a ton of races and be the cleanest guy for the next five years. People are still going to think back to this moment and hate him for it for a long time to come. And I don't know how he's going to be able to adjust to that. Yeah, because like you said, I mean, he, he puts out this, I'm a little good boy, blah, blah, blah. 
you know, I want everybody to love me. And then, but your actions say different. Right. And for him, he's already had three wins this year. He's driving the best car in the entire field. He led two thirds of this race on Friday night. And I can understand your frustration with not winning it and also missing out on $100,000 because both he and Sam Mayer were going for the dash for cash. Sam Mayer won it last week, um, obviously. So I can understand that, but you have, to, you have to keep your cool in that scenario. And you go back, going back to what you said about him getting a fine $15,000, not for the fight on pit road, for running into Sam Mayer after the checkered flag. Why are you going to take this car that dominated this race and go destroy the front end of it because you're mad? Mm-hmm. And think about, and, you know, this is, you know, I, I hate to play the silver spoon, daddy's money, grandpa's money, whatever kind of card, but that to me really showed a lack of appreciation for what goes into making these cars. Because unlike the Cup Series cars, you still have to put a lot of man hours into an Xfinity Series car, making the parts, hanging the bodies, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, who knows how many employees at Joe Gibbs Racing look at that and say, well, he just destroyed what I worked weeks or months or whatever on because he was mad after the race. And that to me shows a lack of appreciation on his part. I agree a hundred percent. So again, he, he's, he's public enemy number one. And I don't think he's going to be able to shake it for a while. Yeah. And the part that I think people are talking about the most is the fact that he didn't take his elbow off. So you know, he gets out of his car, he's mad, walks over to Sam Mayer, who already has his helmet off, starts staying whatever, and you could see Sam Mayer, like, telling him, bro, take your helmet off. Like, I'm obviously, I'm not going to punch you with your helmet on. That's stupid. Um, you know, guys in the NFL do that. I still don't understand why. Yeah. Um, but Ty Gibbs refuses to take his helmet off. He's the one that throws the first punch. They get to shoving. And I'll be honest with you, I think Sam Mayer was about to throw him at one point he had him around the waist behind him like he was going to give him a suplex or something. They get broken up by the teams. Nothing ends up happening. Um, you know, Sam Mayer gets the worst of it for the abrasion above his eye. But Ty Gibbs just comes out of this looking so pathetic for not taking his helmet off. Yeah, very cowardice. I mean, just the whole situation was bad for him. Yeah. Oh, he's – and, you know, I think – being Joe Gibbs' grandson racing for, you know, granddad's team and all that stuff already makes people not like him. This is just going to take his level of hatred to a nuclear level. And, again, oh, yeah. I don't know how he's going to be able to deal with that. Yeah, it may eat him up. I mean, you, you never know. Yeah. Well, and, again, it makes you wonder, is he going to continue to be this aggressive? Is he going to continue to run people the way he's been running them to create situations like that? And I can tell you one thing. Because he's very talented. We can't deny that. He's won seven races over the course of not even a full season of competing in the Xfinity Series. So he's clearly got the talent. He's going to be in the Cup Series in the next year or two probably. Go to the Cup Series and try something like that and see what happens. It's going to be a much different story. Yeah. yeah. Those dudes will just put you in the wall and not think twice about it. Yeah. So he's got, And, again, he's 19. So he's got time to mature. Um, but now he's got this target on him and this focus uh, that he's not going to be able to shake. Right. So, and like you said, this goes back to him and Sam Mayer not liking each other for a long time, going all the way to the ARC series. They ran into each other God knows how many times. So this isn't over. You know, they shook hands and agreed to disagree, I guess, in the NASCAR hauler, but there's going to be more beef between these guys. They could 
be competing for the championship, you know, at the end of the season, for all we know. I still think Ty Gibbs isn't going to make it to Phoenix because he's going to end up doing something stupid or pissing somebody off that's going to prevent him from getting there. But these two guys are going to be racing around each other at the front competing for wins. So this is far from over. Yeah. So, I mean, no retaliation is going to happen at Talladega because that's not a track to do that at. But wait till we get it over. Wait till we go to Charlotte. Wait till we go to Texas. Like, there's going to be ample opportunities for Sam Mayer to get him back. Right. Well, that's the thing is, is like you said, you know, running for a championship. Sam Mayer is too, but if you had to pick the one that you thought had the better chance of winning it all, it's 100% going to be Ty Gibbs. And it's, it's mm. like Sam Mayer may move him at, at Phoenix, put him in the wall and be like, huh, remember what you did back in, back in early April? Yeah. How about that? Yeah. But you know, from an entertainment standpoint, that gives us a reason to watch. Yep. So uh, that was Friday night. We had the Truck Series racing on Thursday night. William Byron went two for two on the weekend, went out there and dominated the Truck Series race and won that as well. Had a little bit of beef after the race between Lawless Allen and uh, Haley Deegan. So uh, Ty Gibbs and Sam Mayer, not the only beef of the weekend. Um, I, I, was, I didn't really see what happened between Lawless Allen and Deegan, but I did see Johnny Sauter smack run her into the outside wall. I figured she'd be a little bit more, more upset about that. Yeah, I don't think Johnny's the guy you want to mess with, though. Probably not. And Johnny, especially the fact that he's not even racing full-time anymore, his level of giving a crap is completely gone. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, as far as news goes, you mentioned the, the Ty Gibbs penalty, or Ty Gibbs fine of $15,000. Uh, the Brad Keselowski penalty got upheld this past weekend. Apparently, this the, it's come out this had something to do with the body panel modification. I didn't expect NASCAR to overturn this, especially this being the first big find of the next-gen era. They wanted to set a precedent, um, and, you know, we'll see how the teams react to this going forward. Yeah, they definitely laid the law down and, and make sure teams aren't going to try to modify anything. All right, time for your favorite topic, the Bristol Dirt Race, because we're going there this weekend. Got trucks on Saturday, got the Cup Series on Sunday, Sunday night, Easter Sunday. Weather looks good, not going to rain this time, no monsoon, not going to need any boats. So this, I guess you can say this is the first, like, real attempt at it where you're not having to deal with all these outside factors. Um, NASCAR tested some things with Stuart Friesen the other week, including a mesh screen as opposed to the front windshield because, you know, we had a problem with the visibility last year. They elected not to use that. Um, now, running this later in the day should theoretically cut down the dust and visibility a little bit. But I'm really surprised they didn't decide to go with this mesh um, screen, uh, given all the problems we had last year. Yeah, it sounded like they just they weren't comfortable with the safety aspect of it. And right. I'm, I'm 100% fine. I mean, yeah, I think it would definitely help the drivers having that. But, mm -hmm. you know, we haven't tested it completely. I mean, last thing you need is for a tire to come off. And, you know, we've, we've had those issues throughout the season. It goes through and hits the driver. So. It is what it is. Um, you know, like you said, I think the biggest thing is that we're definitely going tonight, so the visibility should be helped, and hopefully no single-file restarts this go-around. So this being – now they haven't announced anything for 2023, and famously last year in the middle of the race they announced that they were going to be doing this again in 2022, and here we are. So if this is a disaster this weekend, if this just goes terribly – if the visibility is bad, if the next-gen car doesn't race good on dirt, do you think they try this again next year, or do you think they finally give up on it? 
I, I think they're going to try it again next year. And I, I, I bet you we find out in the middle of the race again. Hey, get your tickets for next year. Yeah, and I imagine they're probably going to have a pretty sizable crowd this year, given the fact that you've had a year to hype it up. It's not going to be raining. I feel like there's a lot of things that definitely play into their favor this time around. And, uh, you know, even because that's the thing is last year's race was kind of a disaster, but in a very entertaining way. So and this is one of the times where the sport and Marcus Smith and SMI go full tilt on the entertainment side. So if we have a 20 car pileup, if we have somebody flipping over, isn't that kind of what they want out of this kind of thing? Like the, the, the car crash entertainment side of it? Unfortunately, and the, and the, the, the biggest problem I have with this race is, and I've said it a million times and I'll say it a million more, like I just love Bristol, whatever. I just hate that it's a points paying race. Yeah. That's like my biggest gripe with it is that it's points paying. It, it's a gimmick race, yeah. you know? You want to make this the all-star race and in the middle of the summer go for it i don't care it's an all-star it's an exhibition right but to have it as a points paying race and i just i'm not a fan of that yeah no i think they definitely should have just added a third event for bristol and run this in the middle of the week in the summer or something like that as the all-star race but they're going to do what they're going to do um you know last year there was a lot of growing pains to it we'll see what happens this year um it definitely seemed like in the in the few testing clips that Stuart Freeze in the next-gen car, definitely, it looked like it drove better on yeah. the, compared to what they did last year. So there's at least that aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, it looked more of a dirt-style race. You yeah. know, I know it was a guy, but it had yeah. that look. Well, because in, you know, dirt racing, you're kind of, you slide through the corners, you got to you gotta slide to, to turn and to go fast. And that didn't really happen too much last year in the Cup Series race, so... You know, make, you know, we'll see if the next-gen car can handle the, the dirt racing aspect of everything. Mm-hmm. So with that, and, you know, I remember picking this race last year. I was completely surprised that Joe Logano ended up winning it, and Mark Trex Jr. won the Truck Series race. So uh, to me, I'm kind of throwing my hands up. I really don't know which way to go with, uh, you know, making these picks because you want to pick somebody like a Larson or a Chase Briscoe, but, you know, even those guys didn't do well in this thing last year. So it's kind of kind of anybody's game. Yeah, um, I'll start off with our trucks picked on Saturday. Um, maybe not so much outside the box. Maybe it is. I don't really know. But um, Austin Dillon's running in trucks. Mm-hmm. He seems really excited. I mean, that's the thing. He's like, I don't know. I mean, because like you just. I mean, who do you go with? So sure. Austin Dillon. Uh, I'll go with the safe pick. He's going to be driving the fifty-one for Kyle Busch, and that's Buddy Kofoid. Co- who is a midget racer in the uh, USAC Dirt Series, 20 years old. You know, if anybody's going to know what to do, it's him. Um, you know, it may come down to him and freezing, I don't know. Or, you know, like the races last year, the dirt guys could end up being a non-factor. You know, just kind of a shrug of the shoulders. We'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sunday night, Easter Sunday. I'm, I'm actually interested to see what the ratings for this are because if, if this pulls a good number – then we're definitely going to have Easter Sunday racing every single year from here on out. Yep. Especially as a night race. Yes. Um, I'll get us started. We've, we've had a rough go of it. You're up three to one. Picked much right so far this year. Um, maybe we'll get back on track this week yet. But I'm going to go with a guy that ran well last year. He's ran well this year. And it's a whole new car, so who knows if that means anything. But Daniel Suarez. Okay. He blew my mind last year at this race because he, he legitimately 
had the best car. Um, Logano ends up passing him late, but he impressed a lot of people for having dirt prowess to begin with. Um, so I don't think that's a bad pick, especially given how well uh, Team Trackhouse has run this year. I'm going to go with somebody else, though, that's run ex extremely well this year that just hasn't been able to close the deal. That's Ryan Blaney. Um, is, Joe, is Joe Logano winning last year and Team Penske going to have any effect on this year? I don't know. But I know Ryan Blaney's managed to run well literally every single track, and I don't think this is going to be any exception. You would, you would think so. So, all right, off into the unknown once again. We'll be back next week to either talk about a disaster or something maybe that was a little bit entertaining. Stay tuned to find out. And then we can go to a real racetrack like Talladega. Exactly. So uh, for Delton Mullinex, I'm Tyler Head. Thanks so much for listening to the Street Podcast. We'll catch you next time.